The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Well, hello everyone. It's Dr. Doug Bursch, and you're listening to the Fairly Spiritual Show. So the scripture gives us this mandate that we are called to be in the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation to bring people closer to God and closer to one another. So on today's show, I thought I'd just give some really practical tips on how to facilitate reconciling environments. So if you want to stay mad with people, upset with people, divisive, don't listen. But if you want to enter into the Ministry of Reconciliation, then stay tuned for today's Fairly Spiritual Show, the Ministry of Reconciliation, coming up next. so glad you could listen to today's show. I am Dr. Doug Bursch. I pastor Evergreen Church in the Puget Sound region of Washington State. So glad you could listen on this station and on podcasts throughout the world. So on today's show, I'm going to talk about reconciliation. The scripture calls us to be reconciled, to be reconciled with God, to reconcile one with another, and to engage in the ministry of reconciliation. It's kind of important. And it's one of the things that I kind of, I scratch my head when I interact with Christians who don't seem to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation. In fact, it's kind of crazy. This is one of the problems with our partisan culture. I talk about this a lot, but I think I'm going to continue to talk about it because, uh, I noticed that some people don't seem to know the difference between Christian communication and partisan communication. Everyone's political. We all have political agendas and such. Uh, We live in America. It's okay to have a political agenda. It's okay to have a political ideology. We all vote. We're supposed to vote. That's how it works. But a partisan agenda or partisan communication is I'm going to communicate or I'm going to um, share my ideas so I can win and you can lose so that our team wins, your team loses, our guy gets voted in, your guy loses, you know, our America wins, you leave. That's that partisan idea. It's it's a very, uh, frankly, destructive, I would say it's even a demonic uh, communication, form of communication. Uh, reconciliation, we communicate truth for this purpose. I communicate truth for the purpose of bringing you into the truth. I care about you. You're my brother or you're my sister in the Lord. So I am communicating truth for the purpose of I want you to come into the truth. I want you to be reconciled. I I believe, let's say, if I believe you believe a lie or you're not following the truth or, or you're wrong, I'm not communicating in a partisan way because I want my guy to win and your guy to lose, or I want it to be my America versus your America. That's that's not the goal. The goal is that I have genuine love for you, and so I want you to be brought out of darkness into the light. I want you to be brought from death into life. I'm loving you as I would love myself, and if I was in a place where I was lost, I would want someone to help me. That's a reconciling dialogue. But I, I will see Christians uh, who will communicate in ways that there's just no excuse for it in a, in a biblical way. It's just not Christian communication. 
They'll be fighting with people online. Just their first interaction with someone is just to write some negative thing. They'll they'll just to a stranger. They'll just write some negative, critical, angry thing. Now, you can certainly write to someone like, hey, I, I think what you're doing is wrong. I think what you're saying is wrong. We, we can all do that. You know, if you see someone doing something wrong, you want to confront them. By the way, if you see someone walking in a direction where they're going to fall off a cliff and die, you want to confront them. And, and even if that causes a little bit of conflict, it's important to confront them. If someone is engaging in a behavior that's destructive to themselves and others, you want to confront them even if there's some conflict there. But you do that because you love them. But I will see Christians who are just, especially online, social media, I'll get people email me, text me. Oh, by the way, here's the text number, 360-818-4513, 360-818-4513, 360-818-4513, where they'll text me. I had this happen a few months ago. Someone texts the show, just some really negative stuff and negative things about me, and I and I I want to show this person love. That's the first thing. So I try to write back to understand the person, to be gracious and kind, to try to find a connection. Because my goal as a Christian is to communicate in a way where that person experiences the love of God, where they draw closer to God, and then also in that reconciliation that we draw closer to one another. And in their response to me, it was just negative thing after negative thing, rejection after rejection, distancing language. You know when people do distancing language. You know when they're trying to hurt you. You know when they're just trying to say, I don't want to have anything to do with you. When they're withholding kindness. I, I remember several times I'd be writing things like, you know, genuinely, like, I, I want the Lord to bless you. I want the Lord to encourage you. It's okay if we disagree on this, but I do want to learn. I do, I'm, I'm trying to build a relationship as if you were my friend, you know, across the street, and we're trying to find a way to live, you know, as neighbors, that I genuinely want my neighbors to know, I'm going to try to find a way to get along with you. And, and even if we disagree on things, I want to genuinely hear you and understand you. But I want you to know the love of God, and I want you to know that I am attempting to love you. That is a fundamental Christian principle that in any communication, you're supposed to know for me that I'm trying to love you. And, and if you think I'm stretching that, I think Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them, and don't expect to be repaid. There's scriptures where Jesus says, you know, if you just love those who loved you, what credit is that to you? You know, sinners and pagans do that. But we as followers of Christ, we love our enemies. But we see in our culture we don't love our enemies. We don't even love our brothers and sisters. We don't love our family members. We don't love our neighbors. There's no exemption to this reality. We are called to love. We're called to love politicians we don't agree with. We're called to love pundits we don't agree with. We're called to love pastors and congregants we don't agree with. Yes, to genuinely show love. And so this is something I'm not going to move away from, because if I were to look at the witness of Christ in our world, what corrupts it is, is not the world, it's Christians. We corrupt that witness, and, and people get upset with that. They go, well, Doug, you're being so negative. Well, that, that's the area I have to work at, because you know where I corrupt the witness of Christ? It's in that area. I corrupt it when I don't, like, like my kids. You know, I have a good relationship with my children, but you know where it's not that good is when I don't show the best love to their mother. And when they see that, when they see that I'm not truly being gracious and kind and loving and gentle and when I'm being judgmental and critical and when I'm not practicing what I preach. 
that my, my children don't need me to be a pastor who preaches great messages or to be someone who does a radio show or writes books. They need to, me to have integrity in how I love their mom or how I love them. And in fact, if I don't have integrity in how I love their mom or love them or love others, what I preach doesn't mean anything. My truth doesn't mean anything. My views on abortion don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. If I can't communicate those truths in a loving way, they don't mean anything. They just show that I'm a man with a lot of opinions, but I don't know Christ. I mean, that's the whole issue, right? When, when Christ was walking this earth, the people who rejected him the most were the people who knew the most about supposedly the kingdom of God and about the scripture. So you can know a lot about God, but not love God. That's literally what they did. They knew a lot about God, but they didn't love God or love like God. So reconciliation is huge, and and you see uh, the Apostle Paul uh, speaks of reconciliation this way. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. So we don't live like people who are not in Christ. So you, you can't say, well, that's what everyone else does. That's why Christians should be radically different. That's why you know, Christians who are just like non-Christians in how they communicate have not apportioned the gospel yet. That's why I, I cannot understand a Christian who communicates just like someone who's not a Christian. It, it just can't be that way. We, we use the same techniques. We, use the same, we have the same attitude, the same intonations, the same uh, way we deal with conflict. We use the same language. We forward the same memes. We do the same sneering and ridicule. The fact that Christians are led by non-Christians, even in the media, that, that Christians are led by non-Christians just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, Rush Limbaugh is, is a decent person, but he, he doesn't have a Christ-like attitude. So we shouldn't have his attitude in the way we express things. We, we should have a radically different attitude. We just, that's, that's, that shouldn't be a radical point of view. Someone can have different opinions, but Christianity isn't just about opinions. It's about having the spirit of Christ. By the way, because I just said that statement there, I'm probably going to get a bunch of really negative, angry things coming at me because that's the world we live in. We're angry and negative and not very loving. But this is what Paul says. He says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. They're different than this world. So you can tell the difference. Who are the Christians in the room? The Christians in the room don't communicate like the non-Christians. They're more loving. They, they're, they're kinder. They're, they're gentler. They're, they're not like the non-Christians. He says, The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So that's our ministry. Our ministry is to point people to restoring relationship with them and God and to break down the dividing walls of hostility between uh, people, between us. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling to the world himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. So an ambassador does what the country tells it to do, right? So a U.S. ambassador is to be a representative of U.S. policy. So we are ambassadors for Christ. So anything you do in life, any, any argument you have, any discussion, if you're talking to a customer service person, you are Christ's ambassador at that moment. 
if you're talking to a stranger online, you are Christ's ambassador at that moment. That means you're a representative. So it's not you returning you know, the, the shirt at Costco or Walmart. It's Christ. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. So whenever you're talking about politics, it's Christ in the room making his appeal through us. He says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So this is, this is big stuff, right? If we are called to the ministry of reconciliation, if we are ambassadors of Christ's reconciliation, then it's important how we behave in this world. It's important that we look radically different than the rest of the world. So I, I've been looking at this. I'm writing some stuff. I got a book that I'm ho- hopefully will come out oh, maybe six months from now if I'm disciplined, a year if I'm not. But, but I want to I just go through some areas of reconciliation that should occur in, in any context. Here's, here's ways to look at, am I living a reconciling life? Uh, just in person, in my relationships, in every interaction? Am I living a reconciling, you know, reconciling relationships online? And here's just a grid to look at any of your communication. First, your communication. What's the motivation behind your communication? This is a great way to know if you're living a reconciling life. Why am I communicating? Ask yourself that question. It's a great one to ask yourself when you're in a fight with a friend or a spouse or a pastor or a congregant. Like, why, why, why am I communicating right now? Why am I arguing right now? Is it for the purpose of reconciling? Is it for the purpose of bringing the love of God to this person and building a relationship between me and this person? Or is it for another purpose? Is it because I'm mad and angry? Is it because I'm upset? Is it because I want to hurt them because they hurt me? Is it because I just want to be right? Is it because I just want to win the argument? Is it because I just want them to go away? Why am I communicating? What's the purpose? If you can keep this in your mind, it'll change your life. Why am I communicating? And that is my goal in every communication. What is the motivation behind this communication? Even now, okay, I've said some strong words. Here's the ultimate issue here. As you're listening, I think it would do you well and do me well if we could refocus our communication on this. The goal of our life is not to be right, not to be justified in our arguments, but for every day for us to draw closer to God and to help others draw closer to God, and then to find ways to draw closer one to another and to learn how to communicate in such a way. And sometimes that does require a confrontation, but the confrontation is, hey, you know what you're doing right now? That's just distancing yourself from God. It's distancing other people from you. It's just causing lots of division and divisiveness and separation. It's not advancing the kingdom of God. And I know you don't want to hear this right now, and it makes you mad, but if you could just stop a second, and if you could repent of that, it'll help you. It'll help advance the kingdom of God. It'll help you in your relationship with God. It'll help you in all the conflict you have. The conflict you have is not because you're just right and the world's wrong. The conflict is you've given up on the ministry of reconciliation. So first, motivation. That's a huge issue. Second thing to always keep into play is in any communication, are you making that communication about the relationship? Is it about the relationship? And this is really important, the relationship. One, your relationship with God and your relationship with that person. Because often what we do is we stop thinking about relationships and we start thinking about ideology. 
and we start arguing about the truth of a point, or the truth of an idea, and we start processing people through ideas and opinions and laws and rules and regulations and points, and we start dehumanizing each other. And you see this all the time. In fact, uh, especially with strangers in polite society, I know that's probably not the right word because we're not very polite in society, but we do that when we're arguing online, is we dehumanize people. We don't find out who that person is, and we don't like their opinion, and we just start arguing the opinion, and we go back and forth, and we stop dealing with the fact that that's a person made in the image of God. And have we genuinely seen that person? Did we see them as a person made in the image of God that God dearly loves? Or are we just seeing them through the grid of their ideology? Have they just become a stereotype? Have they just become someone that we argue an opinion about, that we just kind of process and put them in a category? Oh, they're just one of those liberals. They're just one of those conservatives. They're just one of those far left. They're just one of those far right. They're just one of those whatever. They're, and we just immediately put them in a category and dehumanize. Think about how quickly we dehumanize people. They're just one of those anti-vaccine people. They're just one of those radical, everybody's got to be this. They're just one of those radical. We just immediately, oh, they're just one of those granola types. Oh, they're just one of those uptight, you know, it's all about money, power-hungry people. Oh, they're just one of those hippie types. Like, we just immediately process the person, and we don't really see them. Do you really see the people? Make it relational. So, one, if we want to reconcile, what's the motivation of our heart? Is it to truly reconcile? Two, do we see the person? It's always about the person, because we can forget the person, can't we? We can forget about the person. Uh, three, what are we actually communicating? And this is a big one. Are we communicating love and truth and truth and love? Both of them together. I've seen people like to separate these. You know, they'll say it's all about love. But they're like, well, well, where's the truth in your love? Love isn't just like, oh, I accept everything. There's got to be truth, right? Uh, but also some people are like, it's got to be truth. You know, I don't care if I offend people. I'm like, no, if you don't have love with your truth, it ain't truth either. The Bible clearly talks about the ability to communicate truth in love. And in fact, Ephesians 4.15 says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. In 2 John 1, uh, John has a beautiful introduction here where he talks about the interplay of this. And he says, To the elder, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. So I love, but in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. If you want to be reconciling, truth and love are essential. And you, and you see this in so many of our arguments. Well, I'm just telling the truth. Sorry that you don't feel loved. That's not good enough. If it's truth, you're also going to communicate in love. If it's love, you're also going to communicate truth. And here's the way to, to look at it. If love becomes a secondary value, it's not love. And if truth becomes a secondary value, it's not truth. Truth is always communicated with the purpose of loving that person. And love is, all, and, and love is always communicated with the purpose of bringing truth. And we have to settle that in our hearts. So if I have to say something that's, that's strong, that might offend, then I genuinely must see that my heart is right, that I genuinely love this person. 
And if I don't love them, then I probably shouldn't share that truth until I've gotten on my knees and truly grown to love that person the way God loves that person. So often our communication, we're angry, we're upset, we immediately just start, you know, I'm upset. It doesn't come out of love. But if we're weeping and we're crying and our heart's broken because we dearly love that person, we see that they need the truth, and because they're living in a lie or they're living in a falsehood, it's harming them, well, then that's a great reason to communicate the truth. But this is a great way to look at it. Well, why am I communicating the truth? Is it coming from I'm upset and angry, or is it coming from this deep love that I feel? On the other hand, we can ask ourselves, well, why am I not communicating the truth? Why am I avoiding dealing with the difficult issue? Why am I not hosting that intervention for my friend who's a drug addict? Do I really love them? Or am I just avoiding conflict? Do I really love that person? Or am I just avoiding conflict? Because sometimes love, you know what? Well, let's just, everybody, let's just love each other and let's just get along and let's just not talk about the conflict that's in the room. And let's just not talk about the people who are being hurt. And let's just not talk about the abuse. And let's just pretend it's all okay. That's not love. When you love people, you defend those who've been abused. And you make sure abuse doesn't happen. And you make sure harm doesn't happen. And you speak. When you love, you say something. When you love, you cause awkwardness to enter the room. But you, you, you can even say, I, I don't know how to say this, but I love everyone here. But right now, this fighting has got to stop. And I know everybody's going to get mad at me about this, but we can't keep on like this. This marriage can't keep on like this. This family can't keep on like this. And I love this family too much to pretend that everything's okay. It is not okay. So sometimes you have to speak the truth in love, and it's painful. Sometimes you have to tell people, on that path you're on, that's going to lead to death and destruction. It's going to harm you, and it's going to harm your family. Your divided heart, it's going, to, it's going to destroy people. That's truth and love. If we want to reconcile, if we want to be in the ministry of reconciliation, our motivation needs to be reconciliation. Our heart needs to be relational, and our content needs to be motivated by truth and love. Another issue that needs to be in, in the forefront if we're going to be reconciling people is we need to understand grace. You know, there's a, John 1.16 says this about grace. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. And you know, there's so many scriptures on grace. And you know, some t- people talk about grace as unmerited favor. And grace is so much more than that. Grace is Jesus Christ. Literally, grace is Jesus that we were not judged based on our own actions, but just we were judged based on God's grace. God said, I'm not going to judge you based on what you did. I'm just going to free you. I'm going to give you unmerited favor and grace. Your righteousness will not be based on your works. Your righteousness will be based on my works. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, my work will define you. My righteousness will define you. I'm going to give you the gift of grace. If we're going to be reconciled one to another, We need to recognize that we don't understand other people's lives and we are not their judges. There's only one judge and God is the judge. And we just don't know. And it's arrogance to think we do know. We don't live where people live. We don't have the experiences they've had. We don't have the past they have. We need to grow in grace.
And the last one I'd say is if we want to reconcile one to another, we need to be spirit-led. And that means a lot more praying. When we're in conflicts, we need to say, Holy Spirit, show me what's going on. Show me how to love this person. Show me how to truly be kind and gracious. Show me what's needed. When we stop and we make room for the Spirit's leading, it's amazing what happens. It's amazing when we let God enter the conversation. I'd encourage you to stop in the middle of the conflict, to stop before you post the tweet, before you post the Facebook post, before you send the angry whatever. Stop and ask the Holy Spirit, what should I do? What should my heart be? Should I stay angry or should I yield to your love and your truth and your grace? God will lead the way to the path of reconciliation. Thanks for listening. Hey, I appreciate you listening to today's show. We need your support to stay on the air. Go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate today. That's fairlyspiritual.org and donate. Your donations keep us on the air. Also, you can text me 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He loves you dearly. We can all participate in his reconciliation. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.